yeah, I think I started watching a little bit before around the time Alex started doing uh, calls with you, because I, I definitely remember when when Alex started. Um, and I remember watching that process and just being kind of impressed seeing him going from someone who, who didn't really know that much about Adama to, you know, um, really becoming well-developed. Um, so, yeah. And I guess another one of the, the other main reason I called is because uh, I guess I just had questions about, like, how to handle certain things um in part regarding the temple that i've been visiting um i'm just like unclear on how to handle certain things i guess um and how to handle let me take five seconds i need to stop dogs growling at it come on and up okay All right. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I was saying. Was like I was I was just calling because I felt like it, it felt appropriate at this time to go ahead and do that. I felt like, well, you know, I've been meditating for a little while now, and I've I've been kind of wanting to actually have mm. some sort of person to actually talk with about it. And um, ah, ah, okay, yeah, yes. Dhamma is for sharing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and I've noticed that, like, if I talk with people about it that you know don't participate or something like that, it's just like sometimes difficult to have those conversations. Well. That's especially true in places like Tulsa, at least in my memory. <laughs> Tulsa's a wild town for sure. Uh, there's a whole lot of dissatisfied, unhappy people. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that they think that if they can make other people follow their rules, so that mm -hmm. they don't have to follow them themselves, then they will be powerful and happy. Right. Um, <clears throat> that in fact, uh, I know quite a lot about that, that culture, and that it seems to be actually worse now than it was before. But the Im important point is to be able to see the dangers therein and start to avoid those situations, not only in the sense of going along with them, but rather also to get away from them. Mm -hmm. Better thing to do. And so I'm really pleased that you've gotten uh, uh, established a bit in a Taiwan. I didn't think about it until you mentioned that there's a Taiwan in uh, uh, Tulsa, but also. Uh, you mentioned that all of the Asians within probably quite a distance are mm -hmm. collecting together. Yeah. Vietnamese, uh, and all of that. Well, that's very typical throughout the United States, that uh, whatever borders or boundaries were there uh, uh, on the terrain of Asia get melted into the uh, Asian Buddhist culture of uh, America. And there it is, a bright, shining, happy, um, wholesome system of about 500 watts that the Westerners don't even know about. Mm -hmm. And they would never consider it. And possibly the reason for that is language as well as culture. And so I'm really pleased that you were capable of making that leap. And so um, that would be uh, really an, uh, an advantage I'm looking for. 
guys who have spent some time in Asian Watch to help promote it within the wider community of uh, uh, our groups on, uh, on Skype. Mm-hmm. So you've gotten that information. I, I invite you to, to join our group. Uh, that what most Western Buddhists miss uh, would be, let's look at it from the perspective of the triple gem, the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. Their Dhamma is badly translated. They haven't seen a Buddha in hundreds of years, and they don't even know what Sangha is. Uh-huh. And so what we need to do is to reintroduce it as the triple gem that in fact when the Dhamma is correctly understood, there's the Buddha right there. And the, the, then the question is, where is the Sangha that they don't even know that exists in the West? Don't even know about it. But in fact, uh, not long ago, someone was saying that I would like to be a student of yours, but I disagree with your politics. Wait a minute. The whole teaching is stop having politics. Mm. We couldn't get out to the idea that Sangha is actually not political. Right. Or a conflict that people would live in, like a Watt, is not political. That in fact, any politics that are in the Watt is actually getting there by mistake out of the minds of the people who came to be in a place where there was no politics. Right. Kind of brought it in with them. But the whole idea is that um, we can find uh, this Sangha, the, this friendship, this companionship with the people who know and understand the Dhamma is already in the West. And if we can get guys interested all over to start spending more time at the Wat and less time in Reddit, <laughs> that it would be greatly to their advantage mm-hmm. to meet some people. Um, you see, it's very rarely, even for people who go on retreats, it's very rarely uh, and unlikely for them to meet and be around people who were born Buddhist. Almost all the Western people will be getting introduced to Buddhism from uh, adulthood, mainly because you're <laughs> trying to take a bath from whatever they were taught before. Mm-hmm. They call it uh, uh, what recovering. <laughs> right. And so that's where most Buddhists are, are people who were looking for something because whatever they had isn't good enough. Mm. Well, if they listen to the teachings of the Buddha correctly, they'll hear it as like, yeah, that's right. Look at the fact that you keep seeing things are not good enough. The Christianity is okay, except that everybody who's in it thinks it's not good enough. It needs to be fixed. It needs to get political. It needs to get not political. Right. needs to raise money. It needs to stop talking about money, you know. There's just <laughs> and so Christianity winds up being more of a punching bag than um, an actual uh, method where people can come together in communion, come together in sanctuary. The very things that they want are actually uh, mentioned as the qualities of the religion, and yet the people who come into religion um, bring their old stuff with them. The really clear example of that happened in the time of Asok, which I mentioned before, is because he wanted to spread the teachings of the Buddha around. He actually um, promoted it a way that big money would promote anything uh, uh, in the sense of uh, inviting people to change what religion that they have. He would give free robes. He'd give um, 
um, hotels or monasteries or something like that for the monks. Uh, I gave them the equipment, the tools and things that they needed and whatnot like that. And so um, uh, in the area around Rajput, they had so many monks, that was the capital city at the time, that the nobles, the old guard, those who actually knew the teachings of the Buddha saw that things had gotten out of hand because the students didn't have a teacher. So they taught each other. And so this was the great uh, time when all the magic beliefs and all of the Hinduism and all of that stuff started to infiltrate into the teachings of the Buddha. It's also the time when um, the great divide happened. Uh, the, the original group called for a meeting, called for a, a grand council, and that they wanted only nobles there. And so King Asok says, fine, I'll support it in the capital. Bad idea. They should have had that council way out in the sticks, way out in the woods. But because it was a grand affair in the city, all of the monks who didn't get into the council were unhappy. So they decided they'd have a Mahasanda, mm -hmm. a Maha. And that was the beginning of Mahayana Buddhism, was that there was this split in uh, at that time. But it was uh, a split of jealousy of knowledge and so the question would be well how do you would know whether you got into that group or not mm -hmm. how would how would nobles recognize nobles okay the answer to that is that if you are <laughs> they say it takes one to know one mm -hmm. And there are certain questions to be asked. And if you answer those questions in Hindu words, then you're not invited in. Mm -hmm. okay, and so there's there's various ways of telling. But uh, <clears throat> what has happened is that it got separated not within the division of necessarily Mahayana and terror and uh, uh, Sebastian, Terabato, whatever the words for. The real issue was the breakage in the Sangha between the nobles, which in the original Sangha, everybody was coming in to become noble. It was a noble organization. Now it became two. It became an organization within an organization. The, the real Sangha is not the Sangha of monks, or it's not even the Sangha of lay people, but the real Sangha is the Sangha of nobles. Mm -hmm. They got hit away and kept uh, uh, safe and secure and all of that, because there was some pretty bad times that happened in, in India. Mm -hmm. And so it also got dispersed into uh, China, uh, Thailand, uh, Western Asia, and what. In fact, they got quite into Pakistan and uh, onwards that way. But when Islam came back, they pretty much destroyed Buddhism right into India. Mm -hmm. They didn't get into Burma, but they might try. But in any case, the Western Buddhism that we have came completely differently. Buddhism was brought to the West by treasure hunters, not by nobles. Hmm. And because of that, Western has always had that treasure hunter mentality. With the Christians talking about bowing and scraping and praying to a stone statue and all of that kind of stuff is just coming out of their understanding of it, as well as all of the bad understandings of the actual teachings of the Buddha, which was Christian to begin with. That's why words like dukkha are translated as suffering. Right. Why would they translate it? Uh, that's a fairly bad uh, translation, in fact. Imagine that you were a Jehovah's Witness kind of uh, Buddhist going around with your tracks, knocking on doors and saying, here, read this, and it will free you from suffering. Mm -hmm. 
Nobody would say, forget it. I, I, I'm not suffering. Nobody would admit to suffering. Nobody is suffering. Mm. But we are quite often dissatisfied. Right. Quite often. And when we are around other people who are dissatisfied, then we take on their dissatisfactions also. And so when we're little kids and you're having parents that are dissatisfied, they're going to pass that dissatisfaction down to us. It's almost like a mental virus that they give us. That's really little. Can I ask you, how, how does that how does that work? Like, because I have noticed that a lot where I'll see other people dissatisfied with something and I just I almost mirror it or copy it or, you know. Mm -hmm. Well. Uh, you could call it um, in uh, in instinctual language. It would be imprinting. Okay. Okay. In common language, we would say "monkey see, monkey do." <laughs> Moms will often ask their kids, "Well, why are you going to do it? Because he did it. If your friend stuck his head in the oven." Would you stick your head? <laughs> yeah. That's the one. Ah, <laughs> uh, so that's it. That's that's the answer to your question. Why do we follow our instincts? Right. Another way. Of, mm -hmm. Okay, we take that down a little bit into actually the nesting instinct. Because if you don't get along with the nest, the nest is going to throw you out, and the nest may be quite dangerous if you're not in it. Mm -hmm. Either an insider or an outsider. And so we long with that intensity of instinctual, your survival depends upon your ability to get along with others. And so we wind up getting with the wrong people, doing things that we're told to do rather than doing what we want to do. And so we resent it. I have never met a student ever who actually claimed that they really liked first grade. Sit down, read your book, do your ABCs, do your one, two, threes. Very few children actually enjoy the first grade. And those who are best prepared for the first grade are the ones who were most miserable in the first grade. So, in that regard, you can say that from childhood, we are not only born as a victim, but we are taught that we are a victim mm -hmm. and that you have to go along to get along. Right. This is what it's a politician. To get powerful enough so that you can make changes to the things so that you can get your way. Because we never think that we ever get it our own way. And the Buddhist teaching is to say, stop having your way. That's the problem. Is either getting your way or not getting your way is a problem. So just start. Getting along happily is the better way of looking at it rather than getting along and resenting it. Mm. Do what you want to do and do it happily rather than doing it because you were told to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's basically the answer to that question. And in fact, we've gone quite deeply into Paticca Samapada in that regard that we wind up being in that woeful state of being an animal, a dumb animal that does what it's told to do because the dumb animal becomes a dumb animal because he'll do things that he doesn't want to do to stay in the Also, besides uh, being a, a nesting instinct, you could call it the herd herding instinct mm. or the herd yeah. You could also call it the mob mentality. Sure. And so this is one of the things then to start waking up to. 
is recognizing that you're doing something that you don't want to do. So you can set it down, take a deep breath, and say, wow, I don't have to do that right now. Let me go to a really, really good state, and then I might want to do it while I'm feeling good. But right now, I don't want to do it. Look how I'm feeling. <laughs> so this is actually quite an important point, this issue of why do we go along, monkey see, monkey do, imprinting is because we're doing it ignorantly. We're letting it be done by the automatic pilot right down to our gene level, instead of acting wisely. The whole teaching of the Buddha is to wake up and take a look at these instincts. Mm -hmm. Wake up and take a look at these unwholesome thoughts that come out of these instincts. To wake up and recognize that we are already built in with a victim's attitude that was instinctual. It was instinctual when we were born and it was then pounded into us by the society. Giving a few people a great longing to get out. But they're wrong in the sense that they think that they can become prime minister or chief <laughs> or something. <laughs> and then it'd be getting their way instead of uh, in a situation of being subordinate to someone else and doing what you're told to do. What they don't recognize is, is that everybody, even the guy in charge, is just do going along to get along. Everybody, I mean, um, Dante's Pyramid, if you've seen it, you have all of these human bodies climbing up, and the guy who's on the top, guess what's happening with him? He's got six arms grabbing him by the feet, pulling him back down so that one of the other guys can get on. Right. So even the guy in charge doesn't get his way. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. But there's another way of looking at it, and that is, is that if you can see clearly what's going on, Instead of wanting what you want, you'll begin to want the right things because you know that you can get them. But this is wisdom, is learning to figure out how to aim our ambitions rather than keeping shooting ourselves in the foot. Or another way of saying it is see how things are headed. We don't know where that bullet's going to land, but you can sure see which direction their barrel is pointed. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't know when the gun's going to go off, but you know that you don't want to be standing in front of that gun when it does. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this then is getting back to the issue of the uh, Eightfold No Path and how the three gems are wrapped up in there. Because we are societal animals. The Buddha is in fact got one sutta. Um, it, it's, <laughs> the funny part is, is the name of the sutta is the half sutta. <laughs> I haven't heard of that the one. Half well, the half sutta is where Ananda approaches the Buddha after having a long talk with Ananda excuse me, with uh, Sariputta, and um, Ananda announces to the Buddha that friendship is half the Dhamma. Oh, okay. And the Buddha corrected him. He says, oh, no. Friendship is the Dhamma. That's right. all we've got. That's the only thing that there is, is 100% of the Dhamma is friendship. Now, where people get the half and half stuff is the uh, natural division that we make between the inside and the outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dealing with the people that you're living with and all the people that are around you, that's one half. Those on the outside. But the more important one is becoming friends on the in with the ones on the inside. The crowd that we have within have to be brought into unison or within uh, the context of the samadhi mind, to get the mind together. 
to become whole, mm -hmm. unified. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that is to stop having the war inside. Because what happens with us as children is, is that not only do we get told what to do, we remember what we're told to do. And then we go around with all of these remembrance of all of these rules and things that we're told to do. This is what the Buddha calls Silabhata Paramasa and what Eric Byrne calls the parent's ego state and what Ford called the superego. So this superego, this parent's state, this collection of rules is also registering in the mid-cortex of the brain called the temporal lobe, the middle part, as opposed to the problem-solving machine that uh, humans have that the other animals don't have, as well as a huge, huge um, uh, cerebellum in the back. Uh, that's the way that we do our reasoning. And we spend most of our time not in reasoning, mm -hmm. but in the uh, back of the brain, the reptilian brain, the anterior cortex, rather than the frontal cortex. Mm -hmm. The way of saying it is, is that we spend so much more time in instinctual behavior. Mm -hmm. Another way of saying it is, is that we spend so much of our time doing what we feel to do, that we are driven by the feelings that are instinctual our automatic pilot. Automatic pilots are great to save the pilot a lot of extra work. You know, on a big aircraft, uh, an airliner, there's an automatic pilot. But that automatic pilot, you can't use it on takeoffs and landings. You can't do it when you're heading into a mountain or in a storm. You got to take control. Right? And so this actually practicing doing is for the pilot the frontal cortex is to take control of this craft instead of having it on automatic pilot, the instincts. And so this whole quality of friendship then is, is that we need to get this automatic pilot functioning correctly. <laughs> because it's at war with itself. Mm, right. Right? Because we've got all of these rules and regulations that are often contradictory and that they're not according to what we want to do anyway. So the the idea is, is that, oh, I'm going to go on a diet. And then I'm firmly on a diet. And then, the, then I get in front of the refrigerator and open the door and where's the diet? Now the <laughs> diet is, is guilty. Okay? Because we're a crowd and we change back and forth. And right. um, uh that, in fact, one of the signs of a unified mind is confusion. Because we don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And another one, is a sign of a, uh, a mind that's not unified, is when we lie. When we lie to ourselves, when we lie to other people, that's a, a disunity. And lying is something that we do to enemies, not to our friends. Mm. Okay, so if we're lying to ourselves about our religion or our beliefs or our political views or any of that kind of stuff, then lying means that we're not looking at the evidence that's right in front of us. Right. We've already made a predetermined position, no matter how wrongly it fits with reality. Yeah. So this is what the teachings of the Buddha is, is keep remembering to wake up and look at what's real. Right now, what's real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not what's real in a big sense, but what's real in the sense of our senses. Okay, let's come to our senses. That's a very interesting word. I love it. Think about that. Coming to our senses mm -hmm. means getting out of the noggin and getting into sensual awareness in the here now, into the present moment. The heat of the moment. Ah, but where's the heat coming from? <laughs> wake up and recognize that we're the heat we're we're making things hot yeah and then yeah. we can keep them off we can take it off the heat we can take it off the grinder 
Mm-hmm. We thought we were polishing it, and all we're doing is making sparks. Right. So, that's the idea then of Anapanasati is to come out of the unwholesome thoughts, the heat of the moment, and come into reality is, is that there's no reason for me to be making heat right now. Right. That I can cool off instead. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's what the pana means is to chill, baby, chill. You said pana? Nibbana. Nibbana, oh, right, yeah. Or if you want to use it that way, you wouldn't put an R in it, nirvana. <laughs> nirvana, just chill, baby, just mm-hmm. chill out, mm-hmm. cool off. In the physical context of the body, relax the body. Relax the body, cool the heart, and keep, uh, let us say, watchful to keep that system going by breathing. We understand the body itself, and by understanding the body, we can relax. By gladdening the mind, we can change the attitude of the mind as well as change how we feel. We have to do it over and over and over and over. It's very repetitive. Why? Because we've been repeating doing things that we were told and resenting it over and over and over again. Instead of enjoying what we're doing, we resent what we're doing. That's Mm -hmm. why we call it a job. That's why we call it work. Um. We could call it employment. (laughs) We could call it uh, (laughs) time off. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we don't. We call it work. We try. Etc. like that because we're not enjoying it Mm -hmm. we could be satisfied instead yeah but we have spent so much time being dissatisfied working wanting things that are off into the future that habit needs to uh be modified and changed many 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 times okay just a little bit at a time. We keep changing it, keep changing it, keep changing it. And pretty soon we begin to change that attitude from the loser's attitude into the winner's attitude. Mm-hmm. I've got satisfied. And I can be satisfied again. I know how to do it. Ah, so that's the whole idea of Anapanasati is to become friends with oneself and then we practice that with others there's a whole language that we have you know like metta karuna mudita upeka, how are we going to handle things with others are we going to be friends are we going to be political or are we going to be enemies so the whole teachings of the Buddha is all about making friends. First on the inside, normally in seclusion, and then we open it a little bit to allow other nobles in so that we can really cement this thing. And then after we're uh, associating with nobles and know what really high-class humanity really is, then we can go out and share it with others. Mm-hmm. So Jesus had an expression like, don't uh, feed your pearls to the swine. Mm-hmm. That means that for a while we keep our nobility to ourselves. Right. Because to be understood anyway. But share. And in fact, we want to become available to those who are noble. This is why it's such a good idea to start going to these Thai watch. Yeah. And Asian watch throughout the United States. That in fact, uh, the Lao, the Cambodian, and especially the Vietnamese watch were established by refugees from the war. And they came in the 80s. But the ties were already there because when the flyboys left, 
with their new brides. They went back to the military bases, and that's where all the Taiwans sprung up. Mm -hmm. so the Taiwans were springing up really early by 1980 through uh, that range of, of time, 80s, 90s, to where the Asians were, uh, <clears throat> the refugees were into the Reagan administration deep into the Reagan administration when finally there was enough pressure was put on the United States to bring these millions of refugees in. So a lot of them started pulling in in 1986 in that time period. And nothing much happened with them because they, the, they had it set up that Christian churches would take a group of Asians under their wing and become uh, foster uh, representatives or, or something like that. And so it took five to ten years for the Asians to break away from that so that they could go away from that Christianity and reestablish their, their uh, Buddhist temples. And so right. there was new influx in the middle 90s through the uh, up until now of people wanting to, to build uh, the other Asian ones, the Lao, the Cambodian, and the Vietnamese. And so that's how all of that got started uh, in the United States. Uh, but only to a lesser degree in other uh, Western countries that Buddhism is now out sprouted. There's been a lot in Mexico City for more than 20 years. Hmm. Uh, and so this is the place where Westerners are going to find that Sangha of getting around people who have been Buddhist from birth. Go eat delicious food. Discuss the Dhamma. Have fun being in a wholesome environment. This is one of the things that would happen. And over time, the idea then is, is that with your establishment there and staying around the Asian people and gaining some value, Sometime you can make an idea, or maybe somebody there will have the idea of why don't we do a meditation uh, uh, hour or two every week of mm -hmm. meeting for the West done in English language. Yeah, yeah. And that's how then the Western community in general uh, uh, in Tulsa can find out that the what exists. Yeah. Now is not the time to invite other people. Now is the sure. time to go get yourself all mentally cleaned up and polished and everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the place to go do that is at the what? Mm. Also, I would invite you to join us on on the, the, the Skype Saunders because okay. we've got some friends here. And many of them are experimenting with uh, going to watch. And in fact, about five of them want to come to the watch here in Thailand. <laughs> uh, but Matt's been to the uh, watch in Tampa and Orlando, and Scott's been to the watch, and Keyshawn uh, um, has met a good monk in uh, Chicago. Uh, and uh, Everything is really beginning to purple. Everything's beginning mm -hmm. to bubble up and that kind of stuff. So you're into this at uh, the right time. Mm -hmm. And so come and become friends with our, our group of Sangha and call me and we can talk about any questions that you have about the Dhamma or whatever. But it sounds like that you're having quite a lot of fun on your own. And I had a place that. Congratulations, Mike. I've been enjoying it. Yeah. I I will say. Um, so. I'm not even sure how to pose this question exactly, but like for me. And part of this has actually come from um, listening to Buddha Dasa. He had this one talk called um, no religion. I'm sure you've maybe heard of it. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, 
I don't know. I've I've really been sort of feeling that way lately, and like. Well, yeah, that book know. is chocolate box. What way are you talking about? Um. Well, just that you know that essentially they're like there is a dhamma, there is a truth, you know, but it's like it doesn't necessarily like exist because of the Buddha or because of Jesus or because of um you know uh any religion or whatever. It's just that like there's kind of like um Truth uh, is truth. Is that human right. capable of seeing things the way that they really are? Right, yeah. exactly. The Buddha actually said that he did not invent or make anything. That he mm-hmm. merely discovered an old path. Mm-hmm. And there's the whole quality of what is called a feature Buddha, which are those who uh, became without talking teaching that it's a natural experience and the example of that would be uh, in modern times Eckhart Tolle mm-hmm. who just got tired of the message he was making and just sat down on the park bench for a couple of years <laughs> and right. then when people started asking him a bunch of questions he didn't have any answers to them so he started reading Buddhist books so he would have Buddhist answers <laughs> right right uh, so this is another example, Ben, and um, actually I've had conversations with Bhikkhu Buddhadasa about Jesus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially with all the detailed knowledge that we have been digging up about uh, when and who and how Buddhism was transmitted to the Mediterranean area, mm-hmm. looking at Alexandria with the Terrafute and uh, who was sucked. The book stories. Where did they get all of that? Right, right, right. Yes, in the scenes and uh, that are all doing ritualized water bathing, which is very typical of. uh, uh, In fact, there's a whole lot of stuff about watering holes and bathing areas, and you see so many combinations. Ikutudasa keeps the position of yes, but don't know, and. Just like it was in India, Damarado, you're um you're breaking up a little bit. Could you maybe move the mic closer? Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Um. So, a big Buddhadasa's position is is that the Dhamma is the Dhamma, and it will be. Um, let us say, identified and understood by those who do and will speak their own native language. Right. In fact, in one of the sutras, 139, the Buddha talks about that in the sense of how to teach the Dhamma is that you have to teach it in the language of the student. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're using new language, you have to introduce the words slowly so that they will understand the words rather than piling a bunch of uh, uh, foreign foreign language words on it or other things like this. Uh, and so the question that you're asking is there, in the sense that you hear a lot of noise. Are you hearing noise from me? You, you sound fine on my end. Oh, okay. I turned my microphone off and the noise stopped. <laughs> uh, there the wind is again. I wonder if it's maybe your headphones. Maybe your headphones aren't plugged in properly. That's the only thing I can think of. No, actually, this mic is uh, um, not associated with the headphone connections on this PC. It's different. Okay. Plug. Sure. Uh, 
as soon as I'm quiet, the noise comes back up. So that means it's weird. Skype. Yeah. yeah. Skype. Skype is getting that noise. I'll have to take a look at the Skype connection. Uh, yes. As soon as that's hmm. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, I'm going and doing the auto settings audio. That's very interesting. Something's wrong with the microphone now. I'm beginning to get it. Yeah, I've got quite a problem here. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, very, very noisy. Okay. Uh, well, now it seems to be better. I changed several things, and let's see what happens now. Okay. Um, actually, this is the microphone that I'm using now. How does that sound? Yeah, yeah, it sounds perfectly fine. Okay. Okay. Uh, So, actually, those are... Hmm, I don't know what to do about it. So, anyway, I can't even hear. All I've got is the floor in here. Is it possibly coming from your end? Yeah, I can I can mute. Yeah, right now that's that was it. It wasn't here at all. It was on your your end. Uh, a lot of noise. Turn your microphone back on now. Do you hear it now? No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wiggled the cable back. on my microphone yeah. a little bit. That might yeah. have helped. Yeah, it's it it's uh, it's a roar that increases in volume oh, along okay. your site. Okay, okay. But right now I can hear it. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Now the noise comes in again. What you did now it's off. Now it's on again. <clears throat> Getting louder. Here, let me mess with my mic for a second. One second. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now, but also when you turn the mic on, uh, the noise started up again, so your mic is catching a lot of noise. And it's related to our talk when that started to happening, so I don't know what. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened, fighting. honestly. Hmm. Hmm. Are you still hearing it, I'm guessing? Um. Well, one, when one of us is talking, the noise stops. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it starts up in the gaps. And when we let it roll, it gets rid of out. Yeah. So, uh, so let's go ahead and 
uh, I've lost my thread with all of this. That's okay. I know where we were going with it because uh, we were we're recovering the general point about the triple gem, Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, which has to do with getting one's mind cleaned out and making friends with it within one's own mind. And then the Sangha of the other side of the friendship of dealing with others in a friendly way rather than in a political way. Mm -hmm. So uh, we come into a state of satisfaction and then deal with others from a state of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So that's basically how how it works. And there's a whole process to do that. It's all the Eightfold Noble Path, which I guess we can talk about later as well as how it fits into Anapanasati. Mm -hmm. So why don't we finish now? Okay. And you go and practice basically what we've been talking about because sure. you've been listening to so many of the videos anyway. I think you kind of know what's going on. So I hope to hear from you again soon. Yeah, of and course. We can go over it all again, as well as uh, get you uh, invited to join uh, the various Sangha groups. Yeah. It'd be good to see you on Friday evenings on the uh, U.S. Sangha. I think the main one I can join is the, uh, I think it's Wednesday UK call. Uh, I'm okay. off on that day. Yeah. Usually. All right. Sounds great. All right. Well, it was, it was a pleasure talking with you, Damarado. I'm excited for our, for our next talk. Okay. Well, we'll see you later. See you later.